This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. And we are starting a new series today called Provision. Provision is a very, very meaningful word to me. And we find out who God is because he is a God of provision. And we're going to look at the story today of Abraham when God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. And then there was an intervention. And through that story, God revealed part of his character. He revealed one of his names. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. He is the God who provides. And at the end of this message today, in the end of this service today, I want you to have a crystal clear view of God's role in your life and what he wants to do in your life. Because this message today is going to turn your attention to the only one who can provide for you. He is your provider. He wants to provide for you. And that's his character and that's his nature. Genesis 22, starting with verse 1. It says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Verse 2, And then God said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountains I will tell you about. Let's pause there. This story is, is telling, it's a type of what Christ did on the cross. It's foreshadowing what Christ did. And so there are many parallels. You see there in verse 2, it says, take your son, your only son. Remember John 3.16 said that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so here... Here, that imagery is very, very clear. Take him as a sacrifice. Verse 3, early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, to, to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offerings? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Now here's a key verse, verse 14. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide, and to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will provide be provided. Let me remind you in verse 14, when the word Lord is capitalized in your Bible, all capitals, it's talking about his specific name, the name Yahweh or Yeshua or 
translated also Jehovah. And so here, God revealed his name to Abraham, and God has great purpose in his names because his names reveal who his character is and what his character is. The Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh the provider. That is who he is, and that is his character. And it went on as it was written several thousand years, and to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Let's pray together. God, we are asking that you help us put our attention on you. Lord, it's so easy for our attention to just fall upon our circumstances. It's easy for our attention to fall on our deficiencies. It's easy for our attention to be uh, diverted. And so, Lord, I'm asking that this teaching today would cause Christ to be more and more clear and that Christ would become more and more at home in our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to ask Pastor Kim Driver to make her way up here because, you know, when I talk about provision, provision is a very special word to me, but it's not really described as well with this neat definition. The best way to tell you what provision is, is to tell you a couple of stories. Pastor Kim, come on up here, and I've asked her to tell a little story about what God did through the Compassion Ministries. This is just one of many, many, many stories. Many of you that were here on Wednesday night, and I asked for a specific prayer for a need we had right before the outreach for wide real paper to find it for 50 cents a pack. Uh, I, that may sound silly, but we were in need of that. We were in need of 170 packs for the upcoming blessing that weekend. We also were in need of an 18-wheeler to be moved out of the parking lot that was in the spot at the Goodwill where we were supposed to go. Well, when I asked for a prayer for that, Pastor Aaron prayed for it. The next morning, Holly Robinson, who helps get together everything, she wasn't uh, in the service the previous Wednesday night. But the next morning, she was looking in the paper. She called me at 7.30 before I went to work and said, Kim. I found wide rule paper for 50 cents a pack. But not only that, she said, I've called the, the store manager, and he said that I could have all he had. So she went to the store uh, to pick it up because a lot of times they only limit you so many because that's the item that draws other people in. And she went to the store, and he said, how many do you need? And she said, I need 170 packs of paper. And he counted them out, and he counted out exactly 170 packs of paper. And so he knew it was God. And God's just so mindful over everything we need. So think about this. We had a need. We prayed for 50 cents a pack of paper. And then we went to H.G. Hills, or Holly went And the store manager says, you can just have what we have left. And there were exactly 170 packs of paper. How many know that is not a coincidence? Mathematically, that just doesn't happen. That God had looked before we even prayed Wednesday night. God had known we were going to pray. And he just decided to sanctify 150 pieces of paper and say, this is set aside for my purposes. And then that was his provision. He was answering the prayer before we even asked. Is that not incredible? Can we just thank God for that right now? That is provision. When God comes through, and He comes through in His timing, comes through with exactly what we need. Earlier this year, at the begin, towards the beginning of the year, someone gave me a card, and they said, make sure you open this. Well, of course, anyone who gives me a card, I'm going to Make sure I open it. But they emphasized, they said, do not lose this card. I went home, opened it, 
And there were several hundred dollars of cash in this card. And it was given to me and it just said, we want to be a blessing to you. So like any responsible father of three small children, I immediately thought, HDTV, God has provided. Told Beth about it and I just imagined that she began to spend this money in her mind too. The next week, we hadn't made a decision on what to do with the money. Our car broke down. And we had enough to get the car fixed. Now, there's two ways we can look at the story. We can say, the devil attacked our car. And he's trying to steal that gift. And now, our car, we had to waste this money because the poor Allisons, they already have one HDTV. And now they won't have two HDTVs. The poor Allisons, isn't that horrible? We are suffering, right? No. That's one way you can look at it. You can look at it like the devil stole this or you can understand that there's something called provision that God knew beforehand that this car we had was going to break down and he happened to move on someone's heart that that was provided for beforehand. And that's how I choose to see it. It's his provision and he is the one providing. And in this story that we read in Genesis 22, this story talks about incredible provision and it talks about the character of who God is. But I imagine that as a story started, it had to really shake Abraham and to shake him to his core. You read with me the verse earlier that said it was his only son. Well, that's not technically true because he had already had a son through Hagar. He had six other sons through another servant. It wasn't his only son, but it was his only son of promise. It was his only son that God has said, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to cause your name to be great through Sarah's offspring. And this was his special son. They had had this son in their old age and his name literally meant laughter. He had brought laughter to his life. He was very special very unique, his only son of promise. And then God said, you need to sacrifice this son. Can you imagine the emotions he must have felt to get this instruction from the Lord that seemed contrary to anything that made sense? Well, for God to be God of provision, I'm going to give you three or four things to write down. Here's the first thing. You need to trust the promise. Because God had promised that through Isaac, you're going to be a great nation. And you're going to have many offsprings through Isaac. And then, as we found out in verse 1, he tested Abraham and he asked Abraham to sacrifice the promise. That had to be emotionally very, very difficult. And when we look at God... As our provider. And I'm here declaring He's your provision. The hardest time to believe that God's your provision is when your dreams seem to be dying. You've been at that place before where something you felt like was from God or you knew was from God or something you promised in your word, it just wasn't happening. And it seemed like the dream was dying. And it's at that time that I want to challenge you to trust God's promise. 
It's easy to trust God's promise when everything's going well. It's easy to trust God's promise when all the data looks good. But it's when it appears that the dream is dying and it appears that the dream is being lost. That's when you have to trust God and trust his promise and trust his character. And what he said will come to pass. And Abraham had that type of faith. In fact, write this down. He, number two, he, you have to, he trusted the outcome. That's what you have to do. He trusted that the outcome would be different than it seemed. We see this revealed in verse 5. There's an amazing statement in, this, in, this, in the middle of the sermon. Excuse me, in the middle of this passage. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. Now look at the statement in verse 5. We will worship and then we will come back to you. What a statement of faith. If you look at the Hebrew tense of what was being said there, he was saying we are determined to go, we are determined to worship, and we are determined to return He had no way of knowing how God was going to come through and how God was going to provide, but he knew God's nature and he knew God's personality. And I want to remind you that when God called himself Jehovah Jireh, the God who will provide, it is his nature to provide for you. That's who he is. It's not whether or not he feels like it or he wants to. It is the essence of Of who he is. He is your provider. And you have to trust, especially when the outcome's not looking good. You have to trust when you look and and it doesn't seem like there's a way out. It doesn't seem like he's going to come through. But the outcome is going to be better. And Abraham had that item when he said, We are determined to go worship and to return. If he would have took the servants with him, If he would have taken the servants with him, they probably would have tried to stop him from doing this because it was such an unusual thing for God's people to do. Now, it wasn't unusual back in those primitive times for there to be human sacrifices, but it was unusual for God to ask that. But God had a bigger plan, and we're going to see that. He was foreshadowing what was going to happen on the cross. And so you notice in the passage that that Isaac carried the wood carried himself do you remember what jesus did on the via della rosa he carried his own cross his own instrument of sacrifice he carried it he carried it up the mountain on golgotha and there it was foreshadowing god was up to something bigger and the natural eye couldn't see he's always up to something bigger do you understand that he's always doing something more in the spiritual than you realize because he He has a much bigger view than you and I have. And he sees things. Here's the third thing I want you to write down. You have to trust that he sees further ahead. Trust what he sees. Trust what he sees. I say that because when you look at the meaning of the word provider there, it is is playing off the word see. Meaning this, the Latin word that said see, that... God sees beforehand our need. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's not the God who just responds to our needs. He's the God who sees ahead and sees what our needs are going to be. And he provides for us 
before we even know to ask. Because that's how wise he is. And that's how powerful and that's how providential he is. He knows what we need before he, we even ask. But yet, we ask because we need to humble ourselves. To know that he's God and we're not. We need to humble ourselves to say he's the provider and we're not the provider. We need to humble ourselves and say that he is in charge and he is the one. That's why Jesus, Jesus made this point very clear in Matthew chapter 6. Verse 25 through 32, we'll read this together. Matthew 6, 25 through 32, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. What you will wear is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes. Now let me look at verse 25, it says, Don't worry about what you will wear. For those of you who are moms that get to send your kids to school on Friday or in the next coming days, is that not a word from the Lord? Let's not worry about it. Your kids are going to be okay. They're going to have clothes on. Uh, I know there's a struggle sometimes about what they want to wear and, and getting those things, but God knows that your kids need their clothes and they need their shoes. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spend, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the fields which are here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire... Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Now here's a key phrase in 32. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Is that not incredible? The knowledge of the Lord. Do we need to ask? Yes. Is asking part of our spiritual principle? Yes. We ask, therefore we receive. But you need to understand that the power is not in you asking. The power is in who God is. The power is not in the words you say. The power is in the character of who He is. He's the provider and He's looking at your life and He is going to provide exactly what you need. I know this is a troubling time for some. I know this is a difficult time. And I have found in my life that a lot of times the things that I think I need, I really don't need. And one of the things that I learn in challenging times is I learn more discipline. I learn more constraint. I, I learn to downsize. I learn to, to have more wisdom. The greatest thing that all of us are going to uh, come uh, receive when we come out of this difficult economic winter is we are going to be more wise. And wisdom will prepare us for the next generations. And wisdom will prepare us to lead the next generation. So God didn't promise that we won't have trouble. And He didn't promise that we won't have challenge, challenges. But He did promise that He will provide every one of our needs. He's going to come through. He is going to come through for us. He is the God who sees the needs before we even ask. And because it's in His nature, He is going to come through for you. He has your situation in mind. He knows exactly what you need, when you need it, how you need it. It's going to come through for you. There's a miracle ahead for you. And I can say that with confidence, not because there's any power in me, not because it's wishful thinking, 
making. I can say it because of his character. Because of the same God that revealed his name to Abraham thousands of years ago. It's revealing himself to you right now. It says, I am Jehovah Jireh. I am the God who sees what you need and will provide for you. Amen? So here's the fourth thing I want you to write down is this. Trust who He is. That is the crux of this message. Trust who He is. He is the God who is going to bring provision to your life. He's a God who's going to come through. I know there's a lot of stress in here. There's so many little things that we're stressed out about. And sometimes those things can feel so consuming. We're stressed about the material things. We're stressed about getting the project done and hitting the deadline. We're stressed about maybe some of our kids' emotional needs. And it'd be so great for our child to have a friend here. Or it would be so great for maybe our adult children to to have this breakthrough in their life. And those are all legitimate needs that God cares for. And I just want to remind you that He's providing for that. Because the bigger thing that happened in this story, Abraham probably didn't fully see. Because God cares for your needs. But it's not just about your needs. There's a bigger picture that we can't see. You and I are part of God's redemptive story. And he continues to move in his life because we are his people set apart. And when Abraham and Isaac went on this mountain, remember in the scripture, God said, go to this particular mountain. God knew exactly where they needed to be. Because it was in this mountainous area, in the middle of what used to be a wilderness, that mountain range, that small area, was the very place the city of Jerusalem went. And it was the very place the temple was. And it was the very place that Jesus Christ died upon a cross when He conquered sin. So God was foreshadowing something bigger that Abraham and Isaac couldn't even see. And so it is, listen, in your life, He cares for all the little things that are stressing you out. But can I tell you that He's going to provide... But that's just a sign to you that he's providing something bigger for you. He is redeeming the world. You're part of his redemption story. Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, Abraham, excuse me, Adam and Eve, they first sinned and they took the fruit, the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they sinned and they, they rebelled against God and sin entered the world. And in the middle of that story, there was a conversation God had with Satan, the enemy. And we can read it together in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. It says this, So the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offsprings and hers. Who's the offspring of the woman? It's Jesus Christ, the Messiah, look at this next phrase. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Striking his heel means this, is that Satan would crucify him on the cross and he would strike the heel of Jesus, but Jesus would crush the head of the serpent, Satan, and through the cross, Satan's power was broken for all who believe. 
Now, what does that mean? I know that language might be difficult for us to read at first, but here's the thing that I want you to understand is that the first time sin entered the world, God had already come up with a plan for forgiveness to enter the world. Ahead of time, God had come up with a plan for forgiveness to enter the world. And so it is with you that when you sin, when you fall short, when you make a mistake, God has already provided a way for you to be forgiven. The forgiveness has already been paid. Through Jesus Christ, He paid the price for your forgiveness. He was the substitute. Just as the ram was the substitute for Isaac, that foreshadowed that Jesus Christ was going to be the substitute for you and I. And if He, if He provided the greatest thing we can ever imagine, that which money can't buy, that which we can't earn, that which we don't deserve, our very salvation, our forgiveness. If God had provided that ahead of time through Christ, isn't He going to provide what you need materially? I mean, if He loved you so much to provide the greatest thing possible that you don't deserve, won't He provide for you those small things that are stressing out your life and that are making things difficult for you. Because that is his nature. He wants to provide for you. I want Jonathan to come this way. Here's a beautiful thing about that story. Abraham and Isaac marching up Mount Moriah. The Mount Moriah which became known as the place where the Lord will provide. You understand it was a place where Jesus provide full provision for our sins. As as Abraham and Isaac are marching up the mountain, and Abraham does not know how God's going to come through, and he does not know how he's going to be able to take his son back, and he doesn't understand what's happening, little did he know that on the other side of the mountain, a ram was making its way up the other side of the mountain. And at just the right time, that ram was going to be caught in a thicket. So when God said it's time to change, there was provision for the sacrifice. And I just want to tell you guys, listen, God knows your situation. He knows your needs. He knows what has to happen in your life. And there's a ram on the other side of the mountain. He's going to provide. And if you don't believe me, then think about your salvation. You understand what I mean? If you don't believe me, think about your salvation. The greatest gift possible. If Jesus Christ did not spare His only Son, he, if He did not hold anything back from you so that you can be forgiven, why is He going to hold anything back so that you can be taken care of in your physical needs? He cares for you. Provisions come in your way. Provisions come in your way. It is as sure as God's character. It's His personality. It's His expression. And miracles come in your way. At the right time, God's going to come through. And He's saying to you today, get your attention on me. Get your attention on my provision. Get your attention on who I am and what my character is and what my personality is. He wants to provide for you. I want to ask that our ushers begin to prepare themselves because we are going to have an opportunity to take communion today. Every single one of you are welcome to take communion. You don't have to, but the, we, we are going to pass out the elements. And I'm going to ask that you hold those. And before we take them today, we're going to make sure that every single one of us is right with God. And we're going to make sure that every single one of us has fully trusted Christ as a provision for our sin. And then we're also going to trust Him 
that every material need we have, every emotional need we have, every physical need we have, every relational need that we have, everything that, that we feel like we have a need for, that He is our provision and He's going to come through because of His victory on the cross. I want you to, to as Jonathan ministers to us, I want you to hold the elements and in just a few minutes I'll come back and give you further instruction as we take these together. There is one thing I desire, one thing I seek To hide in you, abide in you I'm yours for you to keep You prepare a table for me You're my portion and my cup You are the source of strength Lord, you will fill me up. You are my shepherd in the wilderness. Who shall I fear? You are the God who goes before me. My rock and my shield. In troubled times you will provide. And I shall not want you are. I walk through the valley of death. I will magnify and glorify you with every breath. With the wicked stand against me, I will follow as you lead. You are the truth and a way. The to my feet and you are my shepherd in the wilderness who shall I fear you are the God who goes before me my rock and my shield in troubled times you will provide and I shall not troubled times he will provide can I remind you that you were so troubled in your sins so troubled in your sins enemies of God and yet he's redeemed you and he's bought you back and I don't want us to take communion today and be so full of complaining and ungratefulness because we have some challenges right now that we forget the wonder of the cross, the fact that we were without God and had no access to Him. And He did for us what no amount of money, what no amount of gold or silver can do, can purchase. He gave us this great salvation we have today. Would you close your eyes? Because before we pray, I want to make sure all of you are right with God. Maybe you've never been made yourself right with God before, you don't know if you're a Christian, I want you to know here in the next few minutes. Maybe you've walked with the Lord before, but you're far from Him now. And you, before you take communion, 
I want to make sure that you've changed and if you acknowledge that in just a few seconds I want to ask you to raise your hand it's not for my benefit it's for your benefit because it's a physical sign that you're really raising your hand to the Lord and you're saying Lord I want to make things right with you I want to make sure that I'm fully right with you I'm forgiven of my sins because I know that you are my provision that you have provided a way for me to be forgiven you provided for a way for my sins not to count against me before we pray, if that's you, I'm going to start at your right, to the far right of the room where you're sitting. If that's you, you want to make things right with God right now, raise your hand now. Raise your hand now if there's any in that far right section. If there's any in this middle section, raise your hand right now. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you, sir, in the back. I see the hand. You can put them down now. Is there anyone else in this middle section? You need to make things right with God right now. Right now is your time. Oh, I'm so excited. This far left section. There's a, thank you, sir. Right now, is there anybody else? You, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, young man. Thank you, ma'am. I see that hand too. Put that hand down. Oh, the Lord's so pleased. The Lord's so pleased. He has made provision. He has made access for us. He is, you know, when we call upon the name of the Lord, we're saved. It's not our self-discipline. It's not our willpower. It's His grace. It's the undeserved favor of the Lord that we say, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, my sins have troubled me. I've offended you, God. I deserve your wrath. But because of Jesus, because Jesus was the substitute and Jesus paid the price for my sins, I can be right with you. So I want every single person in the room to repeat this prayer after me. And we know that some... Many have raised their hands today. This is significant, but for all of us, let's pray this with our hearts, for we're all needing His mercy today. Repeat now after me. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I repent today. Thank you. You're my provision. You paid the price for my sin. Forgive me. Wash me clean. I will follow you all the days of my life. Now let me pray for you. Father, you've heard our prayers. We thank you, Lord, that miracles are happening in this room right now. Miracles are happening. The miraculous is happening because there is nothing greater than when we receive your forgiving power and that through the blood of Jesus, through his sacrifice and resurrection, we are right with you. We are clean with you. We are moving forward with you because of what you've done. We thank you. Lord, we thank you that as we when we take communion in just a moment, Lord, that we celebrate your death, but not just your death, your resurrection, and the fact that you're coming again. So come soon, Lord Jesus. Lord, let us watch and pray and wait for you. Let us be ready for your appearing. Let us be right with you, God. The bread you hold in your hand represents the body of Christ that was broken for you. Let's take this now as we remember, celebrate, and proclaim him. The cup you hold in your hand represents the blood of Jesus that was shed for you. Let's take this now together as we remember and celebrate him. Thank you, Lord. How great a salvation you have for us. Would you stand with me?
This has been a Church at Indian Lake podcast. Be sure to check out IndianLakeChurch.com for all updated news and information.